This episode is brought to you by the content creators at Live City Media. They've been filming and editing since 2013 and know exactly what it takes to make your brand's online presence pop. Head over to livecity.media to connect with the team today. Hey man, how are you? Hey, it's good. It's been a while, I feel like. It's, it's been a little more than three weeks, as yeah. you reminded me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a hot minute. We've both been extremely busy, I think, over the last mm -hmm. little while. Part of oh, that right. busyness was due to us going to the Montreal Comic Con. Yes, we did. And it was a f really, it, it felt good to be back after, what, three a three-year hiatus? Is that it? Or two years? So, yeah. Yeah, that was a two-year yeah, hiatus, so it was good to be back. Lots of articles came out, which you can check on the Screen Hub Entertainment website. But we're going to be breaking down the experience and the, the panels today. We're also going to be talking about San Diego Comic-Con as well, because today's a Comic-Con episode. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, Comic-Con episode for sure. No, good call. Uh, so many teasers, trailers from movie we've been expecting, hearing rumors, but not seeing much. So, um, no, it was a fun experience and just not just for Montreal, but just like reading everything online. There's so many stuff about movies, like just like when you think there's there's not any more. It's no, no, there's yeah. more. Like <laughs> they're still mil milking the cow and there's still there. There's still something there. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a fun show for sure. Exactly. And as we of course, as we talk about our things, we are, we're going to have our drinks today. Uh, mm -hmm. Fred, you got an interesting one today. I have an interesting one. Sorry, I'm like <coughs> chewing the <laughs> my, my my ice cubicle. Um, so what do I have? I um I wanted some try something different. So I just came back basically from um an office event. Um, so somebody's leaving for another position in Toronto, and um, they're serving us like this new drink that just arrived in Quebec, which is Arizona Hard. When you say um, Arizona, which, you mean like the iced tea Arizona, like the brand? Like the exactly like um, the iced tea Arizona, which they they just deliver it, I think, in cans, but it's only it's not alcoholic. While Arizona Hard, it's the same thing for hard seltzer, so now it's alcoholic beverage. So it's an alcoholic iced tea. Um, so I just I took the lemon flavor, normal flavor that you usually get with anise tea and things like that. Um, it's a cool beverage for summer. I mean, with like a tall glass with like some ice in it, it's it's pretty refreshing. It's good. It's just a little treacherous because again, it's 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 pretty sweet. You don't taste the alcohol. So after two cans, I'll guess you you have a funny funny feeling in your head. You know what I mean? So it's where did this <laughs> feeling come from? I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's refreshing. It's fun. I'm not a big heisty guy myself, but I think I can learn to uh, to reappreciate it with something like this. So it's um, yeah, funky drink. I guess uh, we can say that. What do you have in front of you, my man? I got me Bushmills original. I think it's one of the one of the first drinks I had on the show. It's when uh, possibly we recorded. You've had Bushmills in, before. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the ones that I had. When we recorded in person at my place, it was definitely last summer. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, mm -hmm. We must be near enough one year now, aren't we? 
from that recording well, well, well no, general, from the, from we the show overall yeah. uh, i think we i think it was maybe last week i think we officially was it july 21st yeah i think it was right at the end of july so yeah so it was exactly yeah so we're celebrating our one year anniversary i think that's i'll gonna put in the title for sure so yeah it's been happy birthday happy birthday uh wow it doesn't feel like it's been a year no it's it went by so fast it's crazy and uh we're at episode 24 so we've done but it's a good number we've done 24 episodes in one year it's two a month which is what we intended on doing and exactly yeah you're we're good actually we're better than i expected that's great (laughs) yeah so the one year uh thanks to everyone who's listening and yeah we can't wait to do the next year and grow some more uh it's been really really fun doing this and we've gotten the, the guests on the show and we got the amazing partnership that we have with the, the live city boys with the, the trailer yeah. that they did for us uh we just we want to do more and more and more and with your help we'll be able to do that and yeah yeah no 100 percent uh with the live city boys were so helpful to us they're good partners um, so we heard that the little promo we did for them at each um, at the beginning of each episode. So there are good friends for Concordia. They have their own business, doing fantastic corporate videos for different companies uh, and organizations. They do extremely good work. But um, yeah, one year, man. Like you said, Jesus. It's uh, yeah. It's been uh, it's been a quick. It's it's uh, time went by flew by so fast. But it's uh, it's good. Yeah, we're uh, we're having something really cool there and. Uh, yeah. Our nice little project is already uh, 24 episodes old. So, uh, and yeah, we respected our, our timeline. So yeah. that's perfect. Well, here's, th- here's hoping that one day we'll be able to fly on over to San Diego, go to Hall H, and go there as press for Film and Spirits. Exactly. Well, awesome. let's save that for next year if we're yeah, capable, exactly. I guess. Uh, I don't know how long we need to secure passes for, for San Diego, but I mean, let's, Heck, let's I'm more put worried this on our the, bucket list for Yeah, I'm more worried about the financial burden than the actual media pass. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. For all Flying, the, the, the trip, the yeah, fees. The, and the hotel yeah. and the, well, the flight and the food. I'm there like, oh boy, we're going to have to start making some big bank. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess before we start breaking into Comic Con, uh, have we seen anything of late that we want to talk about quickly? Well, you did for sure. I did. Um, I saw Thor: uh, Love and Thunder uh, a couple days after it came out. No, a week after it came out. And uh, meh. Meh. Yeah. You know meh. what? I, th- I yeah. It's is it is it the overabundance of humor? Is that is is that, that one was of a, the main reason? That was a big problem with the movie. There yeah. were there were scenes where they're having this important conversation, whether it be about a character potentially dying or the need of critical information in order to further the plot, and all of these scenes are accentuated by a joke. Yeah, mm. like it. You know the joke at the end of Ragnarok when Korg is talking about the foundations of Asgard, and then Asgard yes. just blows up, and then that joke kind of compromised the drama of like thor losing his home world and he's like mm-hmm. oh, the foundations they're gone picture that like all the time mm. yeah yeah so yeah take your ytd like uh, just stepped it up cranked it up okay. all the way up there there were certainly moments that were good like christian bale was great no jokes with christian bale uh i felt like he was channeling heath ledger a little bit the joker 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Natalie Portman was pretty solid as well. The overall story was pretty good. The cinematography was gorgeous. Uh Maybe too much CGI, which I mean, it's a Marvel movie. But I, well, for Marvel, yeah. I mean, we can expect it. But there were just guess. some yeah. shots that were just great. Like, I would like to have that as a poster kind of thing. But, yeah, a lot of the jokes compromised the story, and a lot of the jokes just weren't funny. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, at the end of the day, eh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, you know, I still, I'm trying to catch it before it leaves theaters, so I'm still going to try. Uh, it's probably going to be Disney Plus in like 15 to 20 days at this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, possibly. That's that's how quick it is. It's a 45-day turnaround. But you think that this, I think it's it's a question that's been raised a couple of times uh, on the internets, but is it like a new chapter not a, I'm ta- not talking about like Marvel phases, but in 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 terms of the quality of Marvel movies, do you think that this crosses a line in terms of what to expect next in terms of quality? Because it's it's not the it basically I think in the last year or so, maybe since I would say what Black Black Widow, maybe there's like a significant drop in quality from like the motion pictures of Marvel. I so would say that Phase Four overall has had one crowning jewel, and that's Spider Man. And yeah. apart from that, it has suffered overall, which is a bit of a shame to say because I feel like Phase Four is the phase where the directors got to be, they had the most creative liberty, and at the same time. The movies they have too have, much liberty. <laughs> maybe they had too much liberty. I don't know, but the movies have just felt a little uninspired, ironically. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's what's being discussed. I can agree with that. So that that's why I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm part of like the general MCU fatigue. I'm 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 still there for it, but I'm like less implicated, less interested. Uh, it's it's really on the back of my mind. Yeah, like uh, I'm going to be watching uh, Wakanda Forever and we'll touch base on that in a few when we go over uh, SDCC. But mm-hmm. when we're when I saw the the upcoming Phase 5 and some of the Phase 6 announcements, I had some thoughts, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, of course. Yeah. On my end what I saw, well, I saw the the Gray Men on Netflix, so yeah. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Yeah, um again, not not good, not great. Just Easy entertainment. Um, it's from the Rooster Brothers, so I mean the 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 brothers are actually the siblings who gave us the two last Avengers film. Um, visually, I mean it's interesting. There's a lot, maybe it's a little too much CGI for my taste. Like practical effects, especially for an action film, you want something more practical in terms of the fight scenes and everything. They didn't give that to us that much, so you can't really expect John Wick. It's not really in that arena. Which is um, a shame, though, because the books reminded me of John Wick meets Jason Bourne. Because I've read the Grey yeah. Man books, and I, I really like the Grey Man books. They're yeah. serious. They're pretty gritty and intense. I can picture, like, the Bourne theme playing in the background. And your review kind of reminded me of, like, a Marvel movie. It is closer to a Marvel movie because, again, like not like Thor 4, um, the humor. There's too much of it. Which I mean, is so just weird. Like, well, there's no... So it's more like a, a parody of a spy film than an actual spy film, which That's is a so little, wrong. A little nuts. Mark Rennie um, was writing with Tom Clancy before he died, so his works yeah. should feel more like Jack Ryan. 
Yeah, no, for sure. That, that I think that's what I wanted. I wanted something like dead on serious. Um, but no, they, we didn't have that. Um, Ryan Gosling is fine. He's pretty jacked up for the film. He looks good. Um, but the real revelation is Chris Evans. Chris Evans was <laughs> pretty fun in that film, to be honest, as like a sociopath bounty, hunt, bounty hunter for like, I don't know, Sierra program agents. So black op agents go rogue like Ryan Gosling. And he's like chasing him around the world, but it's it's just ludicrous. Like the the time that he that he the, the, the small amount of time that he had to, that he actually spends like going from point A to point B across Europe, like all in one film, and always being I don't know tongue in cheek when he's talking about like dead people and people that are <laughs> that actually like I don't know are being murdered during like that that old chase and just it's. It's ludicrous, but it's fun. So, I mean, he's the best. He's the little spark in the film, I would say. But, yeah, it's okay. I mean, if, if you want some easy entertainment, go for it. But it's nothing spectacular, believe right. me. Okay, well, so. maybe one day I'll watch it, but it's not on my priority list. No, no, it's not It's not a priority, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from that, I have to check. I'm not sure I've seen anything worth mentioning that's so oh, new I recently. watched Hustle. <laughs> Hustle. Adam Sandler's Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah, the basketball movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How was it? Great. Yeah. Uh, like, is it as good as I'm trying to remember the 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 ra- the latest film he's uh, done? More serious. Yes, that r- I really really like. It's liked. definitely uh, it's like a dramatic, inspiring sports movie. Whether it's better or not, I guess it depends on if you prefer crime versus sports. But it was a great movie regardless. I mean, sports movies, you can only do so much with it. But I thought it was very entertaining, well-written, well-acted. Uh, time will tell when we get to the end of the year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes at a number like 10 or number 9 in my top 10. Wow. Interesting. All right. You you piqued my uh, curiosity. I, I'm more of a crime genre than a sports genre, but a real good like sports film i can get behind it like i don't know like any given sunday um jerry Maguire kind of mm-hmm. kind of film i can get behind but uh yeah okay good yes yeah, good for him good yeah. for sandler he has he's really talented and like outside of comedies and like people are starting to realize it but he's uh he's been doing some really good stuff lately yeah, yeah. happy to see that yeah all right all let's right. pivot and we're gonna start with the montreal comic-con because that's where we were we had boots on the ground Yes. And did. it was nice to be back. That's the first thing I'll say. Like, it was busy, especially on that Saturday. The first day, it was packed. It was packed. Yeah, it yeah. was packed. The conference is less so, though. That's what's interesting is that, well, of course, I mean, maybe it was a smaller year because we just came back after the pandemic. So the guests were still really interesting. But I think in terms of like the, or expecting huge names. I mean, no, it's yeah, more I would mid-level. Say the, the level, the the money put into acquiring the guests was not the same as it was in 2019, where yeah. we had like huge like A-list movie stars coming in and taking uh, the, the most of the attention. And then, like you know, what? it's fine. It's the first year back. They got to refill the coffers. It's more of I think it was more the excitement of being back on the floor, like doing the looking around at all the the booths all the art vendors comic book vendors just like the novelty stuff people wanted to buy those like unique items that you can't really find anywhere else get a good price on it i think that was like the the bigger thing for a lot of people uh we we also sat in on a a few of the panels as well 
Uh, which were great. Yeah, which were I mean, great. The, the two of them I was with you, uh, both were pretty interesting, more than I anticipated. Yeah, so, uh, so we'll, we'll break it down. I also met uh, Roger Clark. I wanted to go get his autograph and get his autograph I did. So uh, he's the um, the lead voice actor for Red Dead Redemption 2. He plays Arthur Morgan. So he signed my copy of uh, RDR 2 on PlayStation. Great guy, like bubbly energy, like very enthusiastic very excited to talk to the fans he spent a good solid like five minutes just talking with me one-on-one i think the most interesting thing i got out of him we were talking about the character arthur morgan and how he's a bit of a nomad and Mm -hmm. the character roger clark the actor roger clark he's born in ireland but he's doesn't done his education in england so he's kind of bouncing around a lot in the works in the states and his accents a little bit all over the place and he wants to bring that element to arthur morgan so arthur morgan doesn't have a fixed u.s southern draw but it's sort of like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of accents because the character arthur has been on the road all his life and he sort of picks up little bits of everywhere he's been and carries it with him and i'm like that's a fascinating piece of information just to learn at a a brief one-on-one Happy for you, man. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have that that opportunity this year around. Maybe because I don't know. I'm not the the guests. Maybe there's nobody I was really like. Oh my god, I need to pay like extra money for, yeah. for this autograph. Roger but Clark was the only one really that grabbed me. That I was like, I need to go see him. Good for you. No, yeah. for uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. Next year, maybe somebody will show up that I I really want you to, uh, to spend like the a lot more time in the <laughs> in the line to get that 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 signature. But uh, we'll see. But no, I mean, um, so you had uh, how many, three or four conferences you attended? I, I attended two with you. I and did I think three you, overall. You did three, yeah, plus the Harry Potter actors. Including um, the Harry Potter actors. Yes. Yeah, so um, four if we count the, the one-on-one with Roger Clark. Uh, but then we did, uh, well, I did uh, Matthew Lewis and Bonnie Wright, who play Neville Longbottom and Ginny Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And then you and me, we did... Uh, you want to take it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Robert Patrick. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the evil T-1000 from Terminator 2. Um, probably his most famous role. People know him by that role, I think, for, for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, because, yeah, but again, so he's more, I think, I'm trying to like weigh my words here, but I think he's more known to like as a B-list actor. Um, I don't think we really had him in the main role that much. Maybe I'm mistaken, but he did a lot of TV. He did a lot of secondary, like evil roles in films. But since forever, I think since I think the the late '80s, I guess. Um, so I was expecting a guy maybe a little shy, a little tough. But Robert Patrick was so entertaining. It's so nice, so like a true gentleman. He was really, really cool. He's a he's a gentleman um, with that like get the f out of my face vibe at the same time. <laughs> he, yeah, he had, he had like that like, tough guy vibe, but he was also like the heart of gold tough guys. The vibe I got. Yeah, heart of gold tough guy. I would say so because he is a big um, um, bike guy. So oh yeah, he, he kept Davidson. reminding us about how he owns a, a Harley shop in oh. California. We should all yeah, come yeah, over yeah. to go look at it. So leather jacket, all dressed in black, kind of kind of dude. 
but um yeah no a truly a true gentleman to to be to to be sure i mean he i thought maybe like actors like that who've worked i don't know like with arnold in the 80s maybe to have a huge ego but no not that guy he was really really approachable he didn't mind talking about t2 and i'm sure he's been he's been like i don't know spending his whole life talking about t2 yeah. well, i went up still... and asked him about t2 so i actually got the, the one-on-one yeah. question and i was asking him about the uh what was it like essentially being the first mocap actor while not having that like frame of comparison when working with the, the visual effects and it was just really interesting just to have the, the reply and James Cameron was telling him and missed his frustration because it was a lot of rinse and repeat try 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 again as we try to figure it out and he was like don't worry about it like history in the making yeah because at that time they didn't know how to call like such special effects they didn't know how to call motion capture in 1990 or 1989 when they was uh, they were shooting the film so yeah he had no clue what the end result would be i think he just he said that he just knew there were a lot of casts of his head that they were using for specific shots so he witnessed that but apart from that he didn't know he didn't know much yeah it was kind of so, going in um, blind you're like you're, you're being told yeah we're going to be using you but we're going to be working on the computer but you're like you're trying to figure out what that means and what's the implications mm-hmm. around that and he was just talking about like when he's coming out of the fire and just there was so much frustration because there was so many instructions and they were they just weren't getting it right until they got it right yeah so no it was a cute uh, like, I, I like like the time he spent talking about it, specifically that movie because if like in my mind and maybe it because I, i'm not in his place i can't imagine but i mean everybody every single time he's meeting people like are specifically for sure asking about t2s and he's scale he keeps talking about it with such passion and such interest he's just really dedicated to it and he doesn't mind people asking him so that was that was refreshing that was fun to yeah. see him like so invested in that film um what 32 years ago so it's 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 quite something. Yeah. He also so got that was a the bust of the T-1000. They were presented to him on stage. And they were yeah, like, do you want to go, do you face, go autograph yeah. him? And they were, he was all like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to like, like vandalize it, essentially. But eventually he was like coaxed into uh, to signing it. Uh, he he <laughs> let us blue a huge blue like yeah. spark like just on, on his forehead. I was just maybe I, in, my, in my head I was like, ah. Oh. Maybe you should have. <laughs> you should have signed it. I mean, I know it's his signature, but I'm just like, no, maybe yeah, not. <laughs> but he did mention that those particular busts made their way to San Diego, San Diego Comic Con. So it was pre- good. pretty neat to have that transition between our Comic Con to the SDCC. And there was yeah, some form sure. of like connective tissue between the two of them. Uh, there was a, a lot of questions about Peacemaker too, which is yes, uh, because it's, I think it's his. It's. I think it's his latest work. I guess it's or most one of his latest. But yeah, year. it's definitely his most. I would say it's probably his most, his biggest role probably since um, X Files. I would say. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Like he's done Sons um, of Anarchy and Walking Dead and things like that, but he was always like a smaller role in those particular shows. So in terms of like a consistently present. Uh, a character inside of a major show it's quite possible that peacemaker is his his latest big thing 
I felt bad because I haven't watched Peacemaker. I know I should. Uh, it's supposed to be good, um, but I didn't. It's just a Suicide Squad. I'm just like not that invested. I should be more, I guess. But yeah, he's supposed to be like I think an evil character, but he's like still an, still with a sweet side. Yeah, but, he's uh, an Aryan uh, character with. Uh, yeah, Aryan um, white supremacist character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was talking about the the joy and he he kept reiterating he's like that doesn't mean like this reflects me but he says it's always quite fun to play terrible people because he's he's like, he's like i'm not a terrible person at the end of the day he's just all sweet and kind no but, he's the contrary yeah, yeah totally. but just to like dive into the madness if you will he says it's really fun just to play terrible people because it's so opposite as to who you are normally and you get to delve into that psyche and what makes them tick and yeah he's like it's it's a real fun to play because it's so different yeah no because he's played more bad guys in his career i think he's more of a bad guy kind of actor i'm trying to think like of other actors who are like that who mostly play evil evil characters but definitely him um maybe like alongside people like jack nicholson who i will like always pretty much played bad guys not always but close to usually um, often especially in the yeah. early half of his career yeah, yeah. so you uh, get to no, ask him a good. question too <laughs> i did but it was not as as much as a success as you because it was i was the very last person on in the line to ask a question and i didn't want to ask him about t2 i wanted to ask him about, about his other work but i'm like thinking what else have i seen with him uh, and I think I, I watched on the plane. I watched uh, the protege like in during my ne- in my last trip with uh, with uh, Maggie Q. It was really not pretty mediocre action film to be honest. But he was there. He was a secondary character, like kind of ma- ma- mentor figure to um, Maggie Q's character. And again, he's typically Robert Patrick in it because he's a he's a he's a biker. He has his old like uh, veterans behind him, vet, v- v- Vietnam War veterans, all on Harley's, uh, just traveling around states and different places around the world. And he like how he actually presents himself is like he's like it's a carbon copy of him. So I I just asked him about it, saying if he actually just played himself or did he have. Uh, did, did, were, were, was he instructed to play himself by the director um, for, on the set? But the thing is, is like as I was asking my question, he was talking over me. So we're just <laughs> we're just babbling over each other's. And I think at one point he just stopped and just said, "I'll just I'll just let you ask your question." I'm just oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then you got your answer so, though yeah. at the end. He was explaining. I like, did. He, he well, gave a little like, story about taking his mom and his brother his to the mom theater. to see the pro- to see the protege yeah that was a nice little yeah. uh, and then his final brother statement. said something along the lines of uh like what the fuck was that you just played yourself confirming yeah. your, your question no he did so he did basically yeah. played himself so yeah that, nice little discovery for sure robert patrick i'm i'm, I'm gonna see him differently next time i see him on screen so that was a nice little uh, little meet uh, little meeting or little discovery yeah. um the the other one I attended with you which is more recent current affairs kind of thing was um the two supporting cast members from stranger things four yeah um, so we sat down well we, we didn't sit down but we sat in the room with uh, grace van dyne and mason die who Mason play Matt, yeah. uh, Chrissy and Jason, respectively, in Stranger Things 4. 
yeah, Chrissy is basically Vecna's first victim, so she has she's she's only in one episode, but her presence is still pretty felt throughout the series. Yeah, she's the catalyst. Um, yeah, she's a catalyst. People refer to her a lot, so she's still there in the script, even if we don't see her. So still a pretty meaningful character. And Jason has a much more bigger role because he's more of the main antagonist, but in the real world, when Vecna is the the antagonist in the Upside yeah. Down, so he's. And I really, f strangely enough, I mean, for sure, I mean, um, Chris, Chris the, the the actress plays Chrissy Grisvan Grisvan Dine. Grisvan Dine. 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 Okay, I'm, Who, I'm like she is like, exactly the same as Chrissy. Like, yeah, pretty she much. Just she just walked up like, on the set and said the lines. Like, she is the same bubbly, giggly, but sort of like headstrong, but not a girly girl. Like it's it's weird yeah. to describe, but she's she however she's presented in the show, that's how she is in real life. No, pretty much a uh, cinnamon roll, I think the, yeah. the the term she used on stage. But yeah, no, she was sweet. But Mason <laughs> Mason Die was funny. I like Mason, uh, because he was giving you some Harrison Ford vibes. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know how old he is. I think he's in late 20s, maybe, something like that. He's close to, to our age, but maybe a little younger than, than us. Um, but basically, he, he seemed really cool on stage. He wasn't that chatty, but he wanted to be, but maybe it's new for him. He's not, it's not really his type of thing, Comic-Cons. But it's, it's just that geeks, like hardcore geeks, were like asking him, specific things using like common language for us like canon was this canon when you made this <laughs> you the see poor Mason guy just like what like yeah. he didn't like he blinked he wasn't under he didn't understand a question so he <laughs> grace just like like i don't know cover a mic and just talk to him say well canon means that it's <laughs> and they spoke for like a solid 30 seconds and everyone's sort of like oh, giggling and she's, yeah, he wasn't she's explaining it, yeah. what canon means with the mic covered yeah, so I had that Arison Ford vibes to it because I think that pretty much everybody knows, but like there's nobody who hates who hates Star Wars more than Harrison Ford. So whenever people ask him during interviews, or I think people actually stop asking about asking Harrison about Star Wars in interviews because they know they won't get anywhere. But they're asking about like I don't know fan theories and shit. And I think that at one point a reporter asked him who shot first. Yeah, Is it Han and he goes like. And I Harrison just care. like opens his his eyes and he's just I don't care, and I'm like <laughs> that's pretty much the divide that I had from Mason Dice. So I had like respect for him. I'm like I can get you, man. I mean yeah, sometimes like just the fan fiction, the the whole like the whole fanatics around the show, people actually discussing things and it's actual cultural trends that it's hard to follow. I get you. I mean, it's, it's a little even overwhelming for me. So I, I get you and I, I, I forgive you. So yeah, I think when <laughs> I like them for that, I guess. I think one of the coolest things we learned from that panel was the, how Jason was created as a character and the Duffer brothers told Mason that essentially he was going to be a mishmash of a southern preacher man mm -hmm. and early career Tom Cruise. Yeah, which he succeeded to be honest. I mean like the the earlier the early career Tom Cruise, I think it had a lot of risky business vibe yeah, in the, how he the, played. Yeah, they mentioned risky business Jason, and Top yeah. Gun specifically as and they, the Duffer brothers told him to watch these movies and take notes. And also watch yeah, a lot Gun. of videos about uh, like preachers, those like really intense preachers going up on stage, being like, yeah. "The Lord compels you," that, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, no, but I totally see the risky t business Tom Cruise. Yeah. Not so much the, the Top Gun Tom but Cruise. But I see the risky business like the, as well. I, I saw the movie recently. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, he really nailed it. That That's how Tom Cruise played him. Um, but... Uh, yeah, in terms of preachers, yeah, I mean, there's only one scene in particular where yeah. he actually is trying to be like rhetorical and like express his, uh, I don't know, his, I guess, his view, his, his, his view. But I would say maybe just like the the fact that he's so good at speaking in front of people, he has a like a nice m manipulative personality, and he's he's I don't know, like yeah, I guess you can. We can believe that he made some research about preachers. It's not that apparent. I mean, there's nothing spectacular about the scene, but I, I mean, think it's more still it's beyond that scene. I think it also stems from just he has extreme faith in his own convictions. Yeah. So he refuses to see the truth. So he's so blinded ba basically by his own lies or by why, of what he actually thinks yeah, his, is the truth. What he believes. Because if yeah. he knew, if he knew like about the upside down and what, because he, I think he never really knows until his death. He doesn't really know anything. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if, if we, he would have known, I don't know how he would have reacted. Maybe he would have decided to fight Vecna but again with his own style of leadership saying that okay we need to like I don't know like have torches and forks and yeah, stuff which is something go, that like, they were talking about in the panel as well like what would have yeah. happened if uh, Jason did learn the truth and would he eventually get on the right side and both actors suggested that if he could sort of get his head out of his ass then yeah they would have been able to but it would have been difficult to crack that nut at the same time. Uh, yeah. Grace was talking about how she landed the role. The Duffers were looking for a cheerleader and all the other actresses were sort of playing the Regina George from Mean Girls playing like the, the yeah, bitchy the, cheerleader. The bitchy, the bitchy rich cheerleader. Yeah. But yeah, and she needed to play something entirely different and defy expectations by playing actually a nice and gentle uh, cheerleader. Also like from a rich... Uh, neighborhood a rich family but with like huge problems and huge like I don't know tragedies and uh, tragedies sorry in her family uh, so a troubled past but still really gentle and that's we that really changed her and she's a really a gentle soul so that yeah, and that I, landed I her really the, the role because the Duffers were like well yeah we, we need to like Chrissy because she's only in one yeah. episode and we have to like her enough to make us understand Jason's extreme reactions and like eddie's fear essentially because both of them sort of have uh encounters with chrissy through two very different relationships at the end of the yeah no for sure uh and maybe i think it's maybe the most memorable death one of the most memorable deaths of season four. Well, it's the first one, it's but I think it's one. pretty. Yeah. I think it's more. It's, it's shocking. Yeah. You're like, oh, like that happened, and it was just pretty gruesome to watch with all the bones breaking. Because you don't know what to expect, and it's the first time you actually see Vecna's like how he actually kills his victims, and you're just like, oh, all right. Yeah. Um, the, so uh, yeah, no. He also yeah. mentioned. Um, <laughs> Um, when they killed off Jason at the end of Stranger Things 4, they rewrote an earlier line in, I believe, episode 3 
of the fourth season where uh, he tells Sinclair that you'll be split in half, which is sort of like a little like <laughs> wink to what would His eventually actual happen. Demise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's little things like that. They also talked yeah. about because they started filming early 2020 and they paused production and it didn't refilm anything. So if you were to watch episodes three and four, I think they were talking about, uh, mm. the hair is a little different and you can notice the kids aging up between some of the shots. Interesting. You know, I should go check that out again because I don't remember it, but I wasn't uh, looking for it at the time, but now that I know yeah. I'm going to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be really perceivable. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. They they halted everything and they didn't do like uh, they didn't resume a shoot with uh, COVID protocols. Nah. Um, interesting, but yeah, no, there was there was a last minute add to the schedule, the agenda, the, those two guests. But I was really happy that we went because uh, just I don't know, like the, I think especially the research, especially Mason. I, I like what he had to say. I think he told he spoke like he didn't say that much compared to, to Grace, but everything surrounding his character how he studied his character um what actually the, the duffer brothers asked grace for her character i think that's that was the, the most fascinating thing about that that conference um more than just like the production and the fun of it because for sure we know that stranger things is a fun production everybody has a blast on the set but um yeah no that was fun still uh, yeah. i enjoyed that so i was happy to uh, to see them so yeah uh, and then and I yeah. sat in on the Harry Potter panel, which was like the big panel of the Montreal Comic Con. We had the actors who played Neville and Ginny. Uh, mm-hmm. For all of these panels, we have articles up on the site if you wanted to read more in depth. Um, but sort of like Stranger Things, one actor was way more present than the other actor. So in this case, Matthew Lewis as Neville dominated the panel as opposed to Bonnie Wright as Ginny. She was a lot more quiet and reserved, whereas uh, Lewis had a lot more jokes, a lot more outgoing personality, which is almost the exact opposite of Neville in a lot of ways. Um, One of the earlier things that was brought up was because they were growing up with the characters and they would just go from like movie to movie to movie essentially, was that it became very hard for them to separate character from themselves because they were mm. living their character as they grew up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so this, that was a difficult hurdle for both of them to overcome. Uh, I thought that was interesting because they were... They, they had to learn to step away from Ginny and Neville, and I'm sure that goes for most of the kid actors who were on set at Hogwarts. It's interesting because both characters, and I'm not sure they did that, they, they actually purposefully brought them together for that reason, but... You can see a lot of similarities between Ginny's character and Neville's character. They're, they're both shy. Both are pretty shy. They don't like to take the stand that much. I mean, I'm for sure Neville has a huge resurgence, I think, in the last few books. And he's become more of a hero and a, a courageous um, Gryffindor. And, but he doesn't start that way. Um, and Ginny, I mean, we really start notice, no, noticing her in Chamber of Secrets, but after that, I think it's more, especially in the movies, we don't see Ginny that much, like between, I don't know, like two, like Chamber of Secrets and maybe Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. We don't she, see her that much. She's in Half Blood Prince quite a bit. She, yeah, she's in Half Blood Prince quite a bit. She's in the last two quite a bit, but yeah, she. 
Bunny Wright was has an, an interesting, like, uneven pace yeah. on how she, she on how much she, she actually appeared in the movies. And she yeah. pulls back. Um, so they were also talking yeah. about the 20th anniversary special that happened on uh, what was it like New Year's Day, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You last year. Mm-hmm. And so. Matthew Lewis had this funny little anecdote because someone asked him, have you ever stole things from the set? And Bonnie Wright was like, I accidentally stole like one Gringotts coin. And Matthew Lewis was like, yeah, I've stolen a few things, including... Uh, That's all she took? She Just took one coin. So one coin one from Gringotts. And, and it was an accident. Oh, an accident. Yeah. Jesus. And then Matthew Lewis... Stolen. Oh, I would have stolen a whole bunch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Lewis <laughs> said he took a whole bunch of things, including the, the final sure. wardrobe. Uh, he was in the trailer and the costume department person was like, uh, do you, do you want to keep it? And he's like, yeah. And, he, and he's like, I didn't see anything. And he put it in the bag and he, that, w- that was the end of that. They didn't see it again. But they were... He was talking about Tom Felton. And apparently this yeah. guy is a Draco. kleptomaniac. So they go over it for the 20th anniversary <laughs> special, and he's got an empty <laughs> school bag, everything. like an empty bag. And they're like, what's that for? And Tom Felton's like, oh, you'll see. And he's literally unscrewing the props from the set and stuffing them into his bag. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he's just like packing the bag. So apparently him and Jason Isaacs, they steal everything. If it's not, if, even if it's bolted down, they're literally like putting their foot up against the wall and like yanking it off and nobody's saying anything because that's not super i don't know like subtle i guess uh, you'll know it's, it's apparently not subtle and like everyone knows kind of thing okay so fa- like father like son basically. yeah i thought it was pretty ironic that the two malfoy characters yeah. are the ones who were just like I are the ones stealing everything so apparently felton <laughs> just walked out of the anniversary and he has this like backpack just like backs of tables and shit with <laughs> and the thing is the the place where they filmed the the anniversary special it's part of the tour like fans get to go there eventually uh when they're not filming there so there are things that are part of the tour that are no longer part of the tour because felton because stole tom them. felton and isaac <laughs> stole them <laughs> interesting so that, that that's i thought funny. that was that's really hysterical funny. because why well i don't know especially unscrewing things i mean why not just i don't know take a chandelier or something yeah, but no like, at that like point, tables and chairs and fucking things that are screwed yeah like, so he's like walls literally and floors. just ripping things off the like wall. and how how much space do you actually have i mean like why would you just bring i don't know like just one foot from a table i mean that doesn't make any sense well, i don't know I mean, if they're saying things like the foot off the table but if it was like bolted into the walls or bolted into a table, like let's say there was like a candle holder and it was like on the table, he would like rip the candle holder off the table kind of thing. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. So like, All right. I'm going to see Tom Felton from in another light. Yeah, exactly. Um, they were talking a bit about working with the directors because they worked with so many different directors. So many over different. The years. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, Lewis talked about how he liked working with uh, David Yates the most, which surprised me because David Yates is my least favorite <laughs> Harry Potter director. He's, yeah, I mean, he's the one who picked up um, after... We did Order Blood of the Fire, Phoenix so onwards. Onwards, yeah, and he did the Fantastic Beasts yeah, movies. I find his well. directing style is the most unremarkable. I do agree with you, though. I mean, his. I think that he's... 
he has a problem with editing, I think, this director. I think that the way he cuts he cuts his scene less good of a job than the others. Yeah. I especially like, I think Alfonso Cuaron from A Prisoner of Azkaban was really good. Um, really talented director. Uh, he did a masterful film. Chris Columbus at his time was pretty good. I mean, for sure, like his act movies was more like childish because again, they were really young. They were more like children movies at that point. Uh, kind of light-hearted Harry Potter films, but still pretty pretty nice. But okay, so David Yates, they they think they preferred. Working yeah, well, with Lewis okay. specifically highlighted uh, David <laughs> Yates, uh, specifically because he found David Yates had a lot of similarities with Neville and Yates sort of like protected Neville and there was a time when Matthew Lewis was worried he was going to be recast due to his growth spurt and David Heyman who was the producer he also did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like no we're not going to recast you and it sort of gave him like a confidence knowing that the director and the producer had his back. Uh, Bonnie Wright yeah. didn't talk about directors specifically but she talked about how she really enjoyed uh, working with Alexandre Desplat who did the score for the last two and she actually yeah. sat in on the Abbey Road recording and she was talking about how Desplat was sort of even though he had the written score he would almost be like improvising and rewriting the score on the fly in the middle of a recording s session but that's so interesting because how much time did like actors actually spent with Alex Alexandre Des Desplat like to really get to know him so yeah, I mean, so especially like your character that's that was like the Ginny standout where she was like yeah i was i went to abbey road went to the recording and he was like a madman apparently just like here's the song and he was like nope I'm, and then he starts r literally rewriting the score as they're <laughs> sitting down in abbey road working on the final score <laughs> yeah that's called passion yeah all right so that i thought that was a very interesting uh, little tidbit as well and there's way more in all three of the articles we have up on the site, but I think now look, we're we're 45 minutes in. We'll we'll dedicate the last little bit to SDCC at this point. Yes, we will. But before then, I think we have a partner to to thank at this point. Yeah, to... the the lovely gentleman that we had on the the last episode, <laughs> Master Allen. Yeah, Master, Master Allen, Allen from Level Up from Level Up Sabers. Such a an unexpected discussion because we went we, we discussed so many interesting things other than just obi-wan we discussed i know the bourbon industry yeah. uh i mean the dueling industry in some ways yeah. uh, or martial arts uh industry so no a lot of uh, different topics he was such a fascinating guy so yeah level up sabers everyone um will uh, basically you can click on the link in our bio from our last episode, uh, we dropped the we we'll dropped have the, it in the, the link. We'll have the link in the, this episode as well. We'll we'll have the link in this episode as well. So uh, if you you're in the, I don't know you're looking for a fine um, state of the art lightsaber, either for dueling or just for showcasing, uh, he's the guy for you. He's shipping internationally. He's based in Kentucky in the U.S., but he has so many different cool designs. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. So yeah. I still have to order mine, but it's on my uh, my bucket list for the for the for the next year when I'm done with my house. <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh that, and of course because it's an affiliate link, if you do buy something off of the link, we will get a proceed of the sale, which will help the podcast. So you get a yes. cool saber, we get a little something on the side to help grow the channel. It's a win-win for mm. everybody. It's a win-win situation. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> so, 
San Diego now. So San Diego, we we didn't have the pleasure of being there ourselves, uh, but there's a lot of news that dropped uh, a lot. since the last two yeah. weeks. A lot of news. A lot. Yeah. Uh, to the point where it's almost exhausting just thinking about like the tidal wave of information. Uh, there's a lot to go through. We're not going to go through everything or else the show will be like three hours long and we know we don't want to bore you. Uh, but we'll touch base on the major ones. And I guess the biggest one out of the show is the Marvel panel. Yes. Um, I haven't read that much. I saw a bit of glimpses here and there, but I'll let you start and I'll comment on what you you, you say, uh, on what you say. Well, but um, they, they confirmed that Phase 4 will end with Wakanda Forever and She-Hulk. That'll wrap up okay. Phase 4. They did drop a trailer for Wakanda Forever, which I'm sure you've seen. I did, yes. It's good. It was a very good trailer. It didn't reveal who the new Black Panther is, but I thought the use of... I have an idea, but... I have an an idea, but we can... I don't know. Go for it. It's either the younger sister or... (laughs) Again, I was expecting... I, I had a theory about this, but I'm not sure, but... Could Michael B. Jordan come back and be like the new Black Panther? He I certainly mean, can because it happens in the comics. He actually dies and comes back. So and there's it's also either, the afterworld. It's either a female Black because yeah, of, we, we see the spirit realm that the the spirits go to right with the the purple sky and the trees. Yeah, so, like there is an so, afterlife. <laughs> So it's either the little sister, so we have a female yeah, Black Shuri. Panther, or Shuri, yeah, I forgot her name, or it's Michael B. Jordan who played the antagonist in the first one who, I don't know, like grew a conscience and I was like, no, I, I need to protect yeah. uh, Wakanda, so he's the new I'll agree that uh, Shuri's my top bet, despite there being apparently a lot of controversy with her on set being anti-vaxxer. I'm not sure if that sways the plot or not. Uh, Nakia, uh, Lapita Nyong'o's character, would be my second guess, and third would be Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Those are my guesses. Uh, but very solid trailer. Good use of Bob Marley's "No Woman, No Cry." Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. I thought that was a very appropriate song. Uh, Angela Bassett talking about both her children are gone, like the pain in her voice, which both her children are gone. What happens to Shuri? So curious is there is there another sister slash brother no, that's just we're... sherry no it's just sherry yeah All so right. i wonder what happens there uh overall great trailer though uh i watched the yeah. she hulk trailer I have no interest in this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no interest in She-Hulk. Not, yeah. not at all. So I won't lie to you. I haven't watched the She-Hulk trailer. The She-Hulk trailer. Yeah, I mean, they teased Daredevil uh, at the end of the, the trailer, but it's not enough to get me excited. No. Like, I don't know. I've never been a fan of She-Hulk. Uh, I know a lot of people are because she like breaks the fourth wall a lot and things like that, but it doesn't do it for me. I think that's where like you and I, I think we break a little bit from from Marvel because even like Miss Marvel, even if it's supposed to be really good, n- n- didn't watch it. I haven't started so it yet either. Really Mainly due to like, the I Marvel really fatigue, s- not because of a lack of interest uh, on the character, but just I'm like, I ah, just did Moon Knight. Like I want to break. I want to watch something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same same, same here. Um, I can't like if I if I watch every single thing that comes out of Nizdi Plus or just Marvel specifically. I mean, I won't have a life anymore. Yeah, so I, <laughs> so, I, I, will, I yeah. will watch Miss Marvel at some point, but I, I wanted to just space it out. Yeah. Yeah, they revealed Phase 5 after that, and they gave it the slate for that. Um, yeah. 
And that sort of cemented the, this feeling like a bit of Marvel fatigue. I'm looking it over and there was a few things that popped out like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I was like, nice, good to have a, a date on that. I'm very curious about Mashallah Ali as Blade. Good to know that we're getting that November 2023. This one I think I'm the most primed about. Yeah. I think it's Blade. I think Blade, I, I think it's due for the, this character is due to return. Uh, and under an MCU Kevin Feige kind of direction, I'm really curious on where this character can go. And Marshall Ahali has Blade. I think it's perfect casting. Yeah. So I think he's going to be great. So yeah, I'm yeah. very curious about that. See that one. Actually. Yeah, it's, it's higher up on my tier. But I'm looking over the rest of it, and I'm like, like Loki season two. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like I liked Loki, but I didn't love Loki. I see Ironheart, I'm like, yeah. Ironheart, uh, she makes her own Iron Man armor in the comics, and I'm like, more Iron Man, we already have Rhodey, who's also getting his own show, it wasn't listed, but Armored Wars is supposed to come out, so I'm like, another Iron Man type character who's like really smart and makes her own suit, uh, we're getting a Hawkeye spinoff, um, Echo, and I'm just sort of like, yeah, like, okay, so generally with phase five uh, my reaction was eh, okay the, the excitement wasn't there uh, they also unveiled a bit of phase six and this is where things do get a bit more interesting so they uh, confirmed fantastic four which is going to happen no yes, cast well so. of course yeah no cast we can't um, expect who's going to be the, uh, like well i wouldn't say krasinski i wouldn't say krasinski's uh i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't take that bet uh, because they can still play around it because basically they were in the multiverse of madness so it can be a different version of yeah. of, uh, of Mr. Fantastic All right. exactly yeah, gotcha. so we'll, we'll see uh, but then they also confirm not one but two Avengers movies which will debut six months from each other not two years six or one months. year six months so we're going to get the Kang Dynasty in May 2024 Four, and yeah. then we'll get Secret Wars in 2024 in November, six months later. Um, that's so far away. I mean, yeah. sure, and we'll have the, right uh, now, but it's, the director of Shang-Chi is going to do um, Kang Dynasty, the Shang-Chi director. Okay. Um, so yeah. my initial reaction to that was we're going to have two Avengers teams because there's no way they're going to film two movies with two different directors and have the actors crisscross between production. So my yeah. guess is that we'll have one that might be a bit more Disney Plus character heavy, maybe like 60% Disney Plus, 40% cinematic. And then we'll get another one that's like 60% cinematic, 40% Disney Plus, or something akin to that. Uh, my example would be that Secret Wars, which is the, out of all the movies coming up, is the only movie I'm like truly excited for, is, is more Avengers Secret Wars because of the comic. Um that's where Galactus and the black suit of Spider-Man comes from. And All right. Spider-Man, there's no way he'll be in Kang Dynasty because he's going to be locked into the plot of Secret Wars. And I just can't see how he'll be in two productions at the same time when he's a critical yeah. role in Secret Wars, especially with the black suit. So I think there'll be two Avengers movies with two, like they'll, they'll be separate. Like Kang Dynasty will wrap up the the setup in Loki. Will Kang is also going to be the villain in Quantum Mania. He'll probably show up again here and there. He'll be he's the next big bad over the next few phases. 
and then secret wars they're all going to get whisked away to outer space it's going to be cosmic and then galactus shows up and then there's going to be more right. villains and i think like we'll we'll have like von doom involved as well and like that one will be a lot more interesting because there's there's like yeah, Victor Von Doom is a cool character. Like he, he needs to come back. Yeah, for sure, so, so color yeah. me and in, in, like legitimately interested in Secret Wars, um, and then Guardians and uh, Blade, very interested in because I'm interested in the characters and continuing the story. And beyond that, it ranges from hmm to eh. Yeah, you same here. Yeah. I think with uh, exponential <laughs> exponentially to you. Uh, no, same thing. Uh, Again, I'll no. Uh, apart from the ones I'm, I'm truly interested in, like Blade, maybe Daredevil to come back. Oh yeah, well, um, I didn't mention Daredevil. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because I don't know who's the showrunner <laughs> and the tone of that show. Yeah, it's the same cast though, so it shouldn't be yeah, too. But if they're gonna like Disney Plusify it and like I want Netflix, even if it's not as bloody or violent, like it has to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I will hold any hype for that show until I know more. Okay, so this one. Um, since I really liked Hawkeye, I think it was my fa- It's still, to this day, it's my favorite uh, show. I did like Moon Knight, but I think that Hawkeye still captured oh, the, Hawkeye was the way better than Moon Knight. More. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I, I, think, I, I really liked Hawkeye. I didn't, Hawkeye was great. I didn't think I would like Hawkeye, but Hawkeye was great. I'm still in the camp that I think WandaVision's the best thing Marvel's done since mm, endgame yeah. but uh barring spider-man but yeah i really liked wandavision but after wandavision it's it's uh hawkeye <laughs> yeah no hawkeye was great so i mean a spin-off it, like they say echo so it's probably kid bishop so i'm like it's, well, no, it's all it's good it's I the mean, was... um the character who's deaf oh oh echo, echo yeah, yeah of course okay 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 well, yeah I forgot her name already. Is it Echo? <laughs> yeah, it's her Echo. Name? No. Yeah. It's Echo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so her name was Echo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, sorry. I forgot. Uh, she had, I thought she had like more of a lady's name, but her code name was maybe Echo and mentioned once. Yeah. No, it's Echo. It's okay. Echo, yeah. Because she's um, yeah, yeah, Kingpin's niece. Yeah, Kingpin's niece. And maybe at the end she kills him or... Oh, right. yeah, exactly. So we're going to find that out in uh, the Echo show. Yeah. So yeah, of course. Echo. No, this one I'm I'm down for it. I like that character, and if Vincent D'Onofrio is back, uh, it's always a good a good thing. Yeah, that's so, true. Good. Um. So yeah, Marvel. Yeah. Okay. Cool enough. But no, it's not what got me like more excited. I'm more excited about like movies and motion pictures. Like, it's John John Wick Four. I like the what John I saw. Wick Four trailer was wonderful. It was great. A lot of different stuff. Very, very international. In terms of international in terms of setting. It's hard to keep track of where you're going, what you're seeing. There's a lot of thing going yeah. on. As a um, martial arts movie fanboy, like I, I love Hong Kong fights. To have John Wick fight Donnie Yen is, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, Donnie Yen is in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And the main baddie, I think I forgot his it's, name. Uh, Bill Scars. Plays guy. the clown. He yeah, he plays in uh, the 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 clown in it. Yeah. So that's that's the guy. Yeah, and he looks he creepy. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's perfect perfect casting for. Yeah. And we have uh, the same Cohen, director, so. but we have a new writing team this time. It's not the writers from John, which is good. Yeah, I think which it's good too. Good, change I it up think. a little, like a shake the tree a little bit. 
Yeah. So I, because I, I, I'm I'm on yeah. board. Like John Wick Four looks great. The only thing that's kind of like, and this is just like the the attention to detail person in me, but it's John Wick, John Wick Chapter Two, John Wick Chapter Three, Parabellum, John Wick Chapter Four, and the Parabellum sticks out so much now. <laughs> But now it's John Wick. Is it? I think it, I only saw John Wick. So what? What's it's John Wick four? Chapter four. John Wick chapter four. Chapter four. Yeah. Right. So the Parabellum in chapter three just sticks out, and I'm like, why is it called Parabellum? It kind of annoys me. That's such yeah. a minor thing at the end of the day. But the, the John other, Wick three Parabellum. Parabellum. But no, the John Wick four trailer was great. The panel. I I caught a clip of the panel, and they were talking with the. They had the director and the writer, if I'm not mistaken. They had four people on the table, and uh, Frosty from Collider was moderating it. And then they were like, well, we have a fan question from uh, Jay Utah. And Keanu comes out on stage. I guess it wasn't in the schedule because there was no chair for him. So he goes on his knees behind the table, and he starts talking. And he's only up there for a few minutes, but... You can tell like he, he's super giddy and he's he's excited to do it. Um, like I said, trailer looks great. It was supposed to come out this year. It's the late on next year. You can bet it's one of my most anticipated for next year. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's long overdue. I think John Wick three was twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, I think. Twenty eight. Yeah, late 2018, I think. Yeah. No, 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 because I, I started, I remember, because I started writing for you guys at Screen Hub on, in 2019. It came out in 2019, okay. but I think, like, early, maybe early on, sorry, yeah, early 2019. 2019. Just checked yeah. it. Yeah. So, super excited so, yeah. for it. And there's also going to be a John Wick Chapter 5, as we know. They filmed both of them at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. So, we'll, we'll get that at some point. Yeah. I don't know how many they're going to do, but it's fine. I mean, I'm here for that. Again, it's, it's just a question of writing and story because I think the lack, the last one was lackluster, especially in that field. In the story department, um, it was less so than John Wick 2. John Wick 2 is my favorite in the, the trilogy. Uh, it is my favorite too as well, actually. I thought I, I still preferred John Wick 1, but I think that John Wick 2 is my favorite yeah. movie as well. Uh, but John Wick 3, 3 has the best action. I don't agree. No? Okay. No. No, no, no. I mean, I like a few of the settings in John Wick three, but I like I like the last couple of scenes, like in in the um, in the uh, in the uh, Continental Hotel in New York with the, the like the shielded like uh, body armors. I like that, um, but no, I prefer the the setting, the fight scenes in, in John Wick two yeah. are fantastic. Okay, they're, like, yeah, they're all fantastic. I, um, I think the fight in John Wick three between the the two guys from the raid sort of before the final fight was way better than the final fight in John Wick 3. I preferred the knife fights like at the really beginning when they're in the... Oh, yeah, yeah that's great. Know, like, they're in the, the, that, like, that the was, antique that was shop. Great. And if you're watching yeah. it closely, you can see, uh, again, because I, I like my martial arts stuff, but uh, Tiger Chen is one of the stunt guys in that scene, and Keanu directed him in The Man of Tai Chi. He's wow. also one of the guys in the Chateau fight in Matrix Reloaded. Oh, we go full circle. Yeah. That's cool. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Um, other trailer I've seen, and again, we didn't see much, but it's Hoppenheimer. So it's it's Christopher Nolan's. Well, next that came film. out today. That wasn't a Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a Comic Con. So 
well, should we discuss it or maybe wait a little well, bit? Well, wait a bit. I'll bring up uh, Rings of Power right now because that was the yeah yeah go that, go that was it. the yeah, other yeah, big thing more, at SDCC. That's more important. Yeah. Um. So, a lot of people still hating on the show. <laughs> it's getting a but lot it's... of hate, and mm. personally, I find the hate is unwarranted. It's it, but again, I mean, Lord of the Rings has so much of a dynasty and the legacy. Yeah, no doubt. I am super cautious about this show. Like, I am simultaneously rooting it for it to succeed. I I want to go back to Middle Earth. I I am excited to go back to Middle Earth. I want it to be good. That said, I'm also very cautiously optimistic about it. Emphasis on the very cautiously because these are untested showrunners. They have one yeah. IMDb, IMDb credit between the pair of them. Yes, I do agree with you on that. Um, to be honest, what to I expect? I think the visuals are going to be outstanding. Yeah. So that movie, like, that, Avatar, that show, Avatar yeah. level. Yeah, that show looks like it's uh, cost a billion dollars, which it costs yeah, yeah. just shy of a billion dollars. Yeah, Avatar level in terms of visuals. Um, I think it's going to be better than, I guess, the Hobbit trilogy, but not, of course, not nowhere near honestly trilogy, but if, i think I it's going to be a nice follow-up yeah like respectable follow-up i think if, uh, prequel, if they sorry, can but, yeah. be better than the hobbit and less than peter jackson's lord of the rings trilogy i think that's, I think that's a ideal win. sweet it's spot a win. for yeah. it yeah because yeah. the bar for the jackson trilogy for lord of the rings is it's too high and the it's, hobbit movies no, were a bit of a disappointment so as long as they can i think if they come out and Let's say like an average, like a Rotten Tomato average of eighty percent. Mm. I think, I think they're happy. They don't need to be hundred percent. Yeah, I think so too. As long as they're, it's great but not excellent. I think as long as they hit that like great mark, that's all they need at this point. Just hook everyone in, and then you can work on improving with season two, season three, and so on. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things in the. It's just in general with the show. Like I don't know if we need the hobbit characters there's there's characters the harfoots i don't know how it's gonna fit in we'll find out when it starts but concentrating on the elves yeah i think the harfoots seem a bit more out of place they seem a little forced they seem they seem like they're there just so they can have a hobbit character so audiences go hey hobbits and it seems very out of place there's a few things that i'm just overall concerned about uh a lot of like the there's a lot of original characters that are written just for the show where yeah where i'm like why don't you just focus on the characters that tolkien wrote and i'm sure tolkien wrote so many and so much and everything he had so So there's for sure there's material you can you can exactly so I'm, i'm cautious about these things but then i see like the visuals and i'm like whoa the visuals look great the sets look great uh, the the look of it, like uh, at the end of the trailer at the San Diego Comic Con trailer, you see a Balrog, and I'm like, that looks exactly like the Peter Jackson Balrog. Uh, true. So it invokes that sense of like, oh, like we're we're, we're calling back. Um, from what we see of the acting from McLeeds like, specifically, uh, Morford Clark who plays Galadriel, everything looks promising. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very skeptical about the show. Do not get me wrong, but I'm also, I I hope it comes out good. I'm rooting for it to deliver. I'm optimistic. So yeah, it's September if I'm not mistaken. September second, September third. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to have that. We're going to have Andor, and we'll have House of the Dragon running at the same yeah. time. House of the Dragon Jeez. and Rings yeah, of Power will have... It's going to be a busy have, month. Oh, goodness. <laughs> a Rings of Power and House of the Dragon will have their finale on the same wow. week. Yeah. So one will be on the Friday and one will be on the Sunday. Me, as the blogger, us as the podcaster, we're going to be like, oh, my goodness. How are we going to be able to uh, contend with keeping up with the amount of content we're going to have to write and talk about. It also seems that I've lost Fred, so I'm going to keep on talking for the next little while. Uh, apart from that, we had the trailer for Dungeons & Dragons starring Chris Pine. So I played D&D. I liked my D&D. I learned how to play it over the lockdown with my buddy Brender. So if he's listening, hello. Um, so we learned how to play D&D over the lockdown. And the trailer for the Dungeons & Dragons uh, movie looks like it very much captures that sense of playing with your friends. Cause I think a lot of people, when they think of Dungeons & Dragons, they probably think it's kind of like Game of Thrones where it's super serious and gritty and whatnot. But it gets really silly and really goofy. And the trailer captured that spirit quite nicely. So color me a little bit intrigued for it. I don't know if I'm going to rush out to, to cinemas to go and see it or anything. But the trailer does legitimately look fun. Uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on it. Is it one of the most anticipated of next year? Probably not. But it is something that I'm like, okay, maybe it'll turn out good. If it is, then great. Uh, I probably will watch it if, it, if the word is good. Um, but yeah, impressive in trailer overall. Uh, still no Fred, so we're going to keep going. Uh, DC was also present. Well, actually, no, I'll rephrase. Warner Brothers was present at SDCC. But when I say Warner Brothers, I mean DC. And when I mean DC, I mean Shazam and Black Adam, which are the upcoming two they probably could have shown a trailer for Aquaman, but considering the whole herd depth thing, they didn't want the narrative to be focused on that. Um, so they've released a short trailer for Black Adam. Eh, I don't know. I'm not excited for Black Adam. It looks completely generic. It's, uh, don't expect us to be talking about it anytime soon on the show or on the site because I just I don't want to rush out to go see it. We'll, we'll see if we can get passes for it, but... Eh, it's just not a thing. Same with the Shazam trailer. I don't know what Fred thinks about this, but trailer just didn't do it for me. Um, it was... I, I really like the first Shazam. Don't get me wrong. I, I really, really like it. But the follow-up trailer for the second one, just it felt very uninspired. It felt very generic, I guess is the way to say it. It had some good humor moments, but I don't know. It just didn't capture me in the way that the first Shazam did. Maybe it was just a poorly cut trailer. Maybe they wanted to focus more on like the lighthearted tone, but it kind of just felt like it, they were running through the motions a little bit. Um, there was another DC property that was there, but it's more attached to the Netflix panel. And this is actually going to be a show that's starting next week, uh, August 5th. So by the time the show comes out, this episode comes out, the show will either be on Netflix or about to come on. And that is The Sandman, 
which is based on the DC Comics of the same name. Uh, color me very intrigued. I'm going to be watching this one. Uh, we didn't know too much about it before this trailer. We got a few snippets here and there, but we're we're looking good on this one. I really like the tone. Neil Gaiman is heavily involved in the the adaptation of this uh, show. He is both a writer, if I'm not mistaken, and a producer. So. It's his creation. It's his graphic novel. His DNA is all over the the translation to to, to screen. The, the visuals are great. It's about Morpheus, the goddess of sleep dreams, and he is. Um, sorry, Fred's just messaging me right now. So, Dream is trapped. He's in prison, and he comes out many years later and he has to sort of figure out why and then work on rebuilding like the dream kingdom and i'm very intrigued it looks very faithful to the comics despite a lot of changes at the same time uh, most notably with the cast some people are up in arms about this the way i see it if neil gaiman the author of the original works wanted to change certain things just to be different for the show or that's just to try something different or just because he thought it was the right thing to do who are we to tell him otherwise so uh i'll probably be reviewing that on the site uh, i don't know if i'll do an episode by episode account or if i'll just wait till it's all done uh i don't like binging shows so if you are waiting for a review like early on don't expect it right away expect it like two weeks after the fact or i can just review the first few episodes or just the first episode just to let you know what i think the the initial impressions um apart from that uh fred is looks like he's trying to join back into the call but it's something to do with teams it's not working i don't know what's happening fred can you hear me oh yeah he's back he's not recording that uh okay so so he he's going to close up uh, because he lost the recording. So we'll wrap the episode up. I'll just touch base quickly. I've been talking about uh, the rest of STCC. I, I talked about Sandman and uh, DC, Shazam, and Black Adam. And I guess I'll just close it off very quickly with the uh, there's a Dragon Ball superhero trailer. I like Dragon Ball, and the trailer looked awesome. Uh, it's going to focus a lot on Gohan, and I think Gohan needs the, that redemption story. So as a Dragon Ball fan, one of the few animes that I still like, I'm super excited to go see Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Terrible title, but here we are. And it's going to be an IMAX, actually. So that's also really cool. You get to go see some Dragon Ball on uh, the big screens. So super awesome. Excited. Uh, we'll keep you posted for thoughts on Samang. Like I said, like I said I'm going to be watching that when it comes out. Uh, and that's the end of that. Uh, Fred will probably be saying goodbye remotely. You can't hear him. I'm. I'm. Conf yeah, he wants. He's saying goodbye to everybody. He's confirming that. Uh, so now I'm going to say goodbye to everybody too. We hope you had a, a great time listening to this Comic Con spectacular show. As always, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Anchor FM. We're on Google Podcasts. Uh, you can find the podcast housed on Screen Hub Entertainment as well. 
uh, like it, share it, review it, let everyone know. And if uh, you want to be on the show, send us a message. All that fun stuff. We should really start doing this at the front of the show so people actually listen to it. I'm Sean. That's Fred. You can't hear him. Have a good evening, day, morning, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.